Hello everybody, welcome back to episode 2 of the Honker Heaven podcast. As always, I'm here as your host, Eric Stabler, and with me is Michael Colness. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Well, to start out here, we have a couple what's in the news sections that we're going to talk about. Some articles or just some hot topics that are going on in the waterfall world right now. So, Michael, what do you got for us? Uh, well, I guess to start off is we are North Dakota residents here, and I think the big news story coming now is that this weekend is opening weekend for duck season here in the state of North Dakota. So I think that's the biggest news story that I've got here. Oh, yeah. Brown duck beat down, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's starts on Saturday. Yep. So I'm sure, well, it's only for residents. I was going to say, I'm yeah, sure a bunch of residents. people are going to be coming over here, but that's not till the following weekend. Yep. It's going to be fun to see how many roosts get busted from people duck hunting. Probably quite a bit. Probably. It's usually what happens. Yeah. But hey, you work around it, right? Yeah. You gotta, at least you're out doing something other than being on the couch, so. Yep. Uh, I have a, I have an article here. Since we're actually both born and raised in Minnesota, mm-hmm. kind of pertains to us as well. But um, it says why waterfall participation is down in Minnesota. And this article is saying that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service said that there's an 8% decrease in the number of people that were hunting waterfall last year. And that's the lowest since 1962. And a couple other stats that it said uh, waterfall stamps were at 81,000 in 2022 and in 1980 they were 150,000 stamps that were sold so almost cut in half that's crazy yeah it's hard to believe to think that that many people are not hunting anymore no I wasn't alive in 1980 (laughs) but I was in you know the early 2000 and I was in the 90s too but I wasn't really yeah conscious then and remember things from then but I mean when you think about duck hunters in Minnesota, you always feel like there was always, or even goose hunters in Minnesota, there was always people hunting. You drove mm-hmm. by fields and you could see their setups and everything like that, their pickups parked in the field. Yeah. So it's hard to believe that it's almost been cut in half. Right. Since 1980. Yeah. I agree. And like now, it seems like <clears throat> I see all kinds of people hunting as well. Like um, just out and about, people are always, you know, Driving around the field you're trying to drive around. Or it's crazy. So to think that it's gone down that much is wild. But I guess it's across the whole U.S. too, so it's not just our area. Oh, yes, I guess. Right here it says a couple of reasons for the decrease are hunters aging out. So kind of like you were talking about back in, you know, mm. the hunters that you were seeing are probably getting older now. Probably. Not hunting anymore. Cost to hunt. I would agree with that. It's pretty spendy to hunt like it's got several hundreds of dollars yep if not thousands and then access to hunting spots i can see that being a big one too now obviously yeah. if you're able to if you can talk to people and you're willing to talk to people you usually don't have a shortage right. of hunting spots you can go to you find one and they say no <clears throat> that's it they say no and then you go to the next yeah. one i feel like guiding is becoming such a big thing now that they're that's true they're getting a lot of land locked down, especially around here. And posting them for themselves, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little bit tougher. And then 
a lack of ducks is the last thing, which is a perfect segue into your next point. Into my next news story. I found on the interweb here just earlier today that nationwide that the uh, population of ducks, the estimated population of ducks, is down 7% from last year's numbers. I think this year is somewhere around 32 million, and last year they're up at about 34 million estimated. Now that's the U.S. and in Canada, right? <laughs> so they all, the agency of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife, yeah. the Canadian agencies, they work together to <clears throat> kind of come up with these numbers. So hope, the hope is that uh, the migration brings them through and everything like that, right? But overall, what I'm seeing, the numbers may be down, but there's still ducks out there. Yeah. That's for sure. Right. And then riddle me this. So how... I'm bad at riddles. <laughs> how, <laughs> if the hunter's numbers are way down... Well, okay, this is Minnesota. But if the hunter numbers are way down, how are the duck numbers down 7%? Wouldn't they go up if there's a lot less hunters? I don't know. I feel like that could be... I don't know if there's a lot loss of habitat going on big somewhere where you know uh, maybe a majority of days where they survey because yeah. it's always the they survey the same areas sure all the time because that's like the probably the most consistent now mm-hmm. i don't know if these areas are all refuges or stuff like yeah. that that like state-owned and federally owned land that maybe can't be built on changed stuff like that but maybe mm-hmm. if they're in agricultural areas or they're near cities or you know developed areas maybe yeah. some of the previous lakes ponds so on that they were loafing in or whatever and they would count them back in the day they're just not there anymore. right yeah it could be it's a good point i feel like even the year's conditions have something to do with it like if it's a bad year true a dry year those ponds and lakes that you're talking about they might not be there mm-hmm. they're gone dried up so yeah I'm just and you could say that you could say the flip of that too where hey if these ponds are dried up but there's one that's you know a bigger lake bigger body of water if you're driving near that, you're going to count a heck of a lot of ducks yeah. sitting there because that's the water in the area. Right. Exactly. You'll count maybe more than you did before. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. Interesting. Well, ho- hopefully I I had a guy text me today. Mm-hmm. His name pops up on my phone and I go, huh. Was I, it- know, I know this guy likes to hunt. I don't know why he else would be texting me. Was it what? Was it talking about going duck hunting on Saturday morning? Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so I... Uh, I opened the message and he goes, hey, you hunting this weekend? And I said, well, hopefully. Why? What's up? And he goes, yeah, I found a ton of ducks and geese if you want to go. I'm like, absolutely I do. <laughs> so that was nice. I'm going to try and hunt some ducks this weekend. Yeah, I gotta See ask, if we can't get a couple brownies myself. I got, I got asked to go out Saturday morning too, but the bad thing is I got I to gotta watch my son. I shouldn't say bad thing. Right? I got to <laughs> watch my son this weekend and... Um, and my wife doesn't get home. She's working the night shift, so she doesn't get home until 7.30, so I can't yeah. really leave at 4 a.m. Probably not. Be like, hey, okay, son, spend for yourself for three and a half hours. <laughs> or I can't ask a babysitter to come at 4 in the morning. But. Probably a little young to be putting him in a backpack and putting earmuffs on him. Too, yeah, maybe so. a little young. We, we put earmuffs on him when we went to the Twins game this summer, and he oh, did yeah. not like that. He kept trying to rip them off his head. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> but, uh, so yeah, now I think we'll kind of move into... Our main topic, which I think for this this episode, we're going to have like a little story time. Mm-hmm. So like some good bedtime stories, uh, kind of like your most memorable hunts that whenever you kind of think of hunting or you somebody says, hey, tell me a story about goose hunting or duck hunting, this is what you think of. So 
I'm, I'm sure, like everyone, you could go on and on and all day. But oh, yeah. These are going to be kind of like some of our highlights. Mm-hmm. Who wants to start? You got it or me? I can go first. All right, deal. Go. All right, so <laughs> one, of my, one of my most memorable hunts, I would say it was when I was probably a freshman or a sophomore in high school. And that this was back when they had the August goose season in Minnesota. Kind of like they do in North Dakota, except you could shoot 10, and it started August 10th. It was even earlier. And uh, they were just trying it. I don't know how long it lasted. A couple years, maybe. But I think it was one of those years. And it was a two-hour late start early on in school. So I went out, and uh, I was sitting in my my family friend, uh, the Wakings, Wheatfield, I had my 12 Magnum shell decoys that we had back in the day. <laughs> Just these ginormous, have you ever seen them? I've seen them, yep. These ginormous goose shells. Strap my gun over my shoulder, my pocket full of shells, and I walk out into their field because, you know, we didn't, when I was growing up, we didn't have full bodies and we didn't have blinds and we didn't have a trailer and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. All we had was 30 shell decoys. That's what we hunted with. And uh, so, yeah, I walk out from their grove. I'm in a wheat stubble suit, like a full body wheat stubble suit. And I see this little, like, 10 foot long strip of wheat that they missed with the combine on this little side hill where I'd seen them the day before. And I was literally laying down right next to that piece of or tuft of wheat, set up my 12 decoys, and I shot my 10, my limit of 10 geese, and three were banded. That's pretty impressive. That's very lucky. Impressive. How, now, <laughs> they did band in Morris. However, oh. only one was banded from Morris, and two of the other ones must have been molt migrators that were coming because they were banded in Iowa. Oh. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty sweet. But I just had geese all over, and I was just laying on the side hill, young me, just Blasting shooting away. birds with my old Benelli Nova pump shotgun. <laughs> And I vividly remember, I think it was my last goose, the last one I shot. It was a three-pack that was flying over me. And the middle goose was a little bit ahead of them, and it was just the biggest goose in the flock. So I pulled up, first shot, dumped that one, and fan on my other two, of course. Mm-hmm. Run over to that goose, pick it up. Sure enough, it was abandoned. One of the Iowa ones. So that was kind of showing you how lucky or how well things were going. <laughs> but... That was one of my most memorable hunts, uh, and it's a little bit sad that I was by myself, but I feel like that's when good things can happen, too, is when you're hunting by yourself. And then nobody believes you because you're by yourself. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This was, so this was even back in the day when bands weren't that big of a deal, Mm -hmm. because I have the picture, and all of my geese are laying face down in a row, can't even tell I shot a band. Like, so, you know, people now are like sticking their leg up so you can see the band or holding all three of the bands close to the camera. No, all my 10 geese are just laying there in a row. Like it was no big deal. And now it's like the biggest thing ever if you get a band, you know? So. You know, I don't know how mine's going to compare to that. My first story is going to be basically my first memorable story when it comes to waterfowl hunting. So this would have been back in... The fall of 2013 or 14. Yeah. I think it was 14. And I was hunting with a buddy that 
was a couple years older than me in high, in school, so he had graduated already. And then I bow hunted with him and his younger brother a lot, and they were going out uh, up north where they have some uh, some land where they go deer hunting during like the deer season, and everything like that. Yeah. He's like, he's like, there's a lot of little ponds back there, and there's always ducks. He's mm-hmm. like, we should go up there, and it's kind of up by like the Faustin, Minnesota area. Okay. And they're like, we should go up there and see if we can maybe shoot some ducks. And I'm like. All right, and so they come and pick me up in the morning to drive up there, and there's no decoys. <laughs> but I'm like, all right, whatever. I don't know what we're gonna do, but we have no decoys. He just said there's always ducks, and this waterfowl hunt was more of like an upland game hunt because we'd walk through the woods up to one of these uh-huh. ponds, see if there's ducks in them. Yeah. Right. I know it's like we're busting a roost type thing, but hey, it's their land, right in the middle of the woods. Yep. And we'd throw a rock in the water, and as they fly past us, we'd shoot them. Nice. And the the most memorable part was the first pond that we walked to. We saw it was a bunch of teal, a bunch of green-winged teal. And um, we walked up, and we saw one swimming, and we're like, oh, throw a rock. Threw a rock. <laughs> and they flew up, because we didn't water swat them. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. And then we, then we figured out how hard it was to hit them. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. but then... So then they... Uh, the first one flew up, and a couple more came up after it, and we dumped a couple of those because there were four of us shooting. And then they just kept coming out of the cattails. They kept rising up. Yeah. We'd, we'd get a you know a flock of 10, 15, or whatever group of them coming up. And then about five seconds later, 10 or 15 more would come up, a little Jeez. like five feet to the all, right. All teal? All teal. Really? Mm-hmm. Out of the cattails? Out of the cattails. And the weeds and everything? What? Out of the cattails and weeds yeah, and everything? Yeah, out of the cattails and weeds. Like we, they weren't even out in the open. Uh, so it was very memorable to heck? see that. And the cool thing was, is there was a rowboat about 10 feet to the right of us. So then when we shot them and they're in the water, oh. we just hopped in the boat. Yeah. Went and picked them up. That's awesome. Huh. And were you in woods, you said? Yeah, I was in woods. What the heck? Yeah, I know. It was the weirdest thing ever. That's I had, crazy. I, I wasn't... Are you big, sure they weren't woodies? I'm pretty sure they weren't woodies. <laughs> I, know it was, I know it's weird to think. Like, I wasn't big into waterfowling then. Yeah. I know they weren't wood ducks. I knew yeah. what those were. Huh. But... They were, they were teal. That's what my buddy ended up saying, and that's kind of what got me. Like, and then I started hunting more and more with them. But there's yeah. like field hunts for like geese and stuff like that. Sure. But that's probably my first. It's my first waterfowl hunt. It's probably the most memorable because it's just crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. I don't think I've ever heard of that. It's weird. Teal coming up out of the huh? Yeah, good old puddle jumping. Mm-hmm. That's what they call that? Yeah, nice. That's awesome. Uh, that kind of reminds me of. Uh, I feel like this is just going to keep happening, that our stories are going to remind each other of other stories. But oh, that, anyway, that reminds me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, back in Morris again, it was the last day of duck season. It was me, my friend Jared, and my friend Sean, I think. And maybe, uh, like, Mitch and maybe my brother, but there's three four of us. And we had been kind of doing the same thing, like puddle jumping here and there, trying to get ducks on the last day of the season. And I think, it, yeah, it was only when you could hunt till 4 o'clock. Like, they had that rule. Oh, you yeah. You could only hunt till 4 certain yep. times. And you had to stop. So it was the last day of that. And we're driving past one of our family friend's place. And I see one duck, a lone duck, go back into this section and land. And I know there's a puddle back there with some cattails, a little cattail slew. So I'm like, well, I mean, we know there's one duck in there. Better than zero. So let's go see what's in there. So I call our call our family friend. He's like, yeah, go ahead. We go in there. 
And it's kind of just like you were talking about in the cattails, except it was woodies. Oh. And they did not stop flying up. And I would say it was towards the end of the day, each of us probably had like eight shells left. And they would not stop flying up. And we didn't know this, right? Yep. All we seen was, oh, there's a duck. Shoot it. (laughs) Bang, 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 bang. Oh, there's another one. Shoot. Bang, 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 bang. And we're, this is like high school, so we're terrible shots. And we have we didn't think there was going to be any ducks in there. And now they're flying up everywhere. And so needless to say, I think we've got like two ducks so far. Two woodies. Our shells are all gone. And we're standing there. And as I'm walking, all of us are walking into these cattails, grabbing our other ducks. They're just like they're pheasants. Jumping up out of the cattails. It was unreal. <laughs> I still... Cannot believe how many wood ducks were in there. They had to have been, like, migrating, about to migrate, and were all just piled in there. Oh, yeah. Crazy. And it never happened since. That's crazy. And they were, like, beautiful drakes, too, or just get up with a white belly in front of you, a painted face. And, yeah, we... And then you ran our shells. Yeah, we were missing as much as we possibly could right away. <laughs> so then we were standing there watching ducks fly away, wondering why we didn't take our time and actually aim and get them, but... Yeah, it was crazy. Well, that, you know, that reminds me. <laughs> it's it's weird. Disclaimer, this podcast is uh, going to be about three hours long. No, nah, yeah. Buckle your seatbelts. We're going for a ride. No, um, <laughs> I know uh, most of these stories were honk or heaven, but we're talking about duck hunting. And yeah. Three-fourths of the stories so far, because this next one I'm about to tell is a duck hunting story. <laughs> But Eric was there, and uh, we were hunting in a, a field, and I think last podcast we mentioned it a little bit, we were hunting the, that honey hole. It was like flooded yeah. corn that they could only harvest so much, and there were so many ducks there every day, right? All the yeah. time, you could shoot some, and then more would come in, new ducks would come in, all that kind of stuff, and we were about in what? I don't know, above knee level water, if that. Two and a half, three feet deep. Yeah, yeah. two and a half, three feet deep water in our waders, and we're crouched down in the little bit of maybe like type of reeds that they have there, mm-hmm. trying to hide, but it didn't matter if we hit or not, because they were coming <laughs> anyway. And uh, we had a, a, oh gosh, what was it? Was it a pair of, I don't even remember what it was. I don't was. remember. Right? But it came flying over the top of us, and we had a buddy with us, and I'm going to name drop him. We had a buddy, his, my name, his name was Sal, <laughs> and he was sitting between us, and he started aiming, he aimed straight up in the air, and he shot at one of them. And when he shot, the recoil from his 12-gauge was just enough to just <laughs> knock him off balance. So he fell backwards into this <laughs> two-and-a-half, three-foot-deep water, soaked oh. his shotgun, got water all up in his waders, and all of that. <laughs> he gets out of the water, and he, like, tips his shotgun up, and, like, the water drains <laughs> out. And he's like, oh, it should be fine. It's happened before. <laughs> and then... I would say it's a couple minutes later. More ducks come flying in, and he just decides that he's going to try to shoot. So he pulls up his gun, and he he fires one shot at these ducks. And it was nothing but a thump, and you saw the BBs fall out of the end of the barrel just some sparks fly. (laughs) And then after that, it fired Uh, just fine because he he kept shooting. Yeah. The old stovepipe. That's actually very dangerous. Because if your wad gets stuck in your barrel, and then, it and then bang. you shoot again, you're, it goes bang, bang. and It goes bang. banana split. That's when you lose some fingers or a hand. Yes. Yep. Yes. So don't try this at home. No. 
It's just a funny story you, to tell. If you stove pipe it, do not shoot again. <laughs> Check your barrel. Yeah, that's funny. Old, it would only happen to Sal. I know, right? Only. Oh, then, this has happened before. Yeah. Oh, it has? <laughs> and then, of course, right after that, he kept shooting. It was fine. And he kept yeah. shooting fine. Yeah. At least the uh, hot or warmth from the barrel and blazing away probably got all the water residue off it, so he didn't have to worry about it rusting. True. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta look at the positives, I guess. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I have a... Another story, I guess, that's pretty memorable to me. It's kind of a conglomeration of stories, but it's back in Morris again on the home front. And back in the day, we would, I said we used to hunt in pits. We did that a lot, but we also, a little more recently, used to hunt in standing corn. Because my grandpa would combine his wheat field, and then he would usually have a standing corn field right next to it. And the years that were really good, is when the standing corn was between um, the refuge and our wheat field. Ooh. So they had to fly right over top of you to get to the wheat, right? So, so you pass your... Yes, basically. <laughs> but they're coming to the decoys, yep. which you have in the wheat field. And, yeah, so many times, I mean, you'd be standing in the corn and you can't see them. You can just hear them because the corn's behind you. Yep. And you can just hear them. They're just honk, honk, honking. And boom, there they are. They just appear right there, and you just bang, bang. We had so many good hunts just by, from doing that. And I remember specifically one time my friend Sean was with, and you know my family, brother, dad, uncle, all those guys, and we're standing outside of the corn, like with holding our guns towards the refuge because that's where they're coming from, and they're so low. They're grazing the corn when they come over <laughs> that we don't even have to be in the corn. We're just standing on the outside of the corn ready to shoot as soon as we see him and one time we can just hear this lone honk you know it's a loner and just keeps getting louder and louder we're like where is this thing and i'm standing we're standing there and i was i I think i was actually recording had this old terrible video camera well (laughs) terrible compared to now but it was good back then had this video camera and i was recording and i have it on my buddy sean and he's down the ways from me and this loner just come, pops up right over his head. And he makes some comment like, holy crap, or like, oh God, or something like that. And it's right there, and then just poof, pumbles the thing. But it's just, it's so fun when you can get them. They're, you know, they've been going there for two weeks straight, so they've, they're coming literally 10 feet above the corn and ready to dump in the wheat field, and then there you are. You can almost grab them. Yeah, so I mean, we're, we're shooting like, you know, 20... 25 birds in a hunt mm-hmm. multiple days in a row because they just keep coming but yeah you could almost grab them like whack them with the end of your gun <laughs> they're so close yeah gotcha yeah <clears throat> yeah I would say I don't, I've never had something like that where they were passing so close to me type thing on like a pass shoot type but mm-hmm. I would say this is probably my my last story my last story that I have that's big and memorable for me, especially in the waterfowl world and everything like that, is it was my first, was it my first time? Or was it my second time? I can't remember. First or second time, snow goose hunting. Mm-hmm. And that was with you. And we were down in like central to east central, right? A little south, North yeah. Dakota. And, you know, I've, I've seen snow geese before. I've never really hunted them that much before. I mean, I think the first time I went out was around the Mayville area when we were in college, and there mm-hmm. wasn't, like, a whole lot. Yeah. 
but we just tried to jump them type stuff. Right. And that's when, when we came upon that field, and they were ju- they were just like tornadoing in constantly. They were there were so many, probably like what thirty thousand mm-hmm. in this little pond. Was it just me and you? I think it was. Mm, or were there a couple others? I think it was just me and you at the time. Okay. Or maybe Sal was with too. Okay. And uh, and um, it was posted, but we called the guy. I remember mm-hmm. he's saying, like, well, I had guys come last weekend, and they said they wouldn't drive their pickups, but then they, tro- they tore apart the field. Oh, yeah. And you were like, well, we're driving a Impala. We're doing something. So I was like, we're probably <laughs> not going to be going out in your field. And he was like, oh, well, then that's fine. So he gave yeah. us permission. And we were just, we had no decoys, broke college kids, right, for snow geese. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. And uh, so we were just trying to basically sneak up on them and yeah. jump them. And we crawled through that field for like what an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, we like we started by walking, and then we got closer, so we we crouched, then we got closer, so we were on our hands and knees, then we got even closer, and we we're like army crawling on our bellies to get as close as we possibly can. And they had, I'm assuming this farmer had taken out like a tree row, like a shelter belt previously or something like that, because there was some clumps of like dead trees and everything yeah. that had been like. You can see they've been cut down, knocked down, put into piles type stuff. So I was trying to make my way to one of those so I could stand up again. But it was close enough to the birds. And then we were waiting. Oh, I remember. Chewy was with us. Chewy? Yeah, because I remember yeah. he was on. He didn't do all the hard stuff. He stood <laughs> near the road and he walked like 10 feet into the to field. To scare him up? Yeah. Towards us? To scare him up because we were. he was waiting for like our signal. Yeah. Right? Because you were going to text him or call him or something. We were both yeah. in position. And it took an hour. Yeah. And then we got into position, and we're both good. And then he shot, and none of the birds really came towards either of us. I think we knocked down one. Yeah, I don't think it was very many. No, out of the 30,000. There was yeah, a lot there. There was a lot. I know what you're talking about. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, there was like, we knocked down one. Because they all flew right over Chewy. The guy that shot to scare them up. And they flew right awesome. over him. Yeah. And then they were gone with the wind. And he probably he didn't have a tube on or anything. No, I mean it's not a good story because we didn't shoot that many birds, but <laughs> it's memorable because of yeah. how many birds were there. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't think people realize how insane the snow goose migration is. Oh, it's crazy. You know, like around here, they oh yeah, I seen some snow geese. Like I seen a flock of them, or if, even if they see a field of five hundred, a thousand of them, they're like oh my gosh, that's a lot of snow geese. And you're like, no, no, no. You wait. You come out to Western, uh, Central Western North Dakota and South Dakota, and see within them. the migration and look at them. And it's unreal. I mean, there's so many birds. I remember talking about it afterwards. Well, like when I was crawling through the field, and I'd look up and I'd see migrators, and I just stop and I lay on my back and I'd look up so they don't see movement in a field type thing. Uh-huh. I mean, there were so many geese there. These these ones had to be flying. What? Three quarters of a mile high. Yeah, mile at high, least. At yeah. least. Yeah. And they were coming right in. And yeah. you'd see them dive down, start circling around and coming yeah. down slowly. And you're like, oh, that's crazy. It literally is a tornado, like you said. Yes. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And then I remember, because that's when you taught me too, when we were driving around. You're like, because we were early in the morning and then in the evening at night. You look for the clouds that are moving. Remember you'd say you look over in like the horizon? Yeah. And you look for like a dark cloud, it looks like. Yeah. But then it's moving and it's not mm-hmm. staying the same shape. Yeah. Yeah. That's snow geese. Yeah, it's snow geese. It's not an actual cloud, even though it looks like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 
crazy. Yeah, that's, I do remember that. That was, what, what did we end up getting, like, seven or eight on that whole trip? Yeah. We, we drove out there, like, one morning, didn't we, and then yeah, came back. Yeah, I don't, we didn't get that yeah, many. Not a lot, but there was a lot of birds, yeah. Yeah, nice. But that's, I think those are the geese that we made at the end of the season. We all put our meat together, remember, and we put, we had some jerky. Yeah. That was good jerky. That was. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, uh, one of my next memorable stories was duck hunting again. (laughs) Well, it was youth waterfall day. Mm. And, um, this was like borderline, can barely remember it, but. We were back, we were youth hunting, it was a youth waterfall hunt, which is like a week before regular duck season or whatever, and we were in Wakings, um, Meanderland we call it, their slough, a rare time that that gets hunted for waterfall, because <laughs> they're big deer hunters, Oh. so they don't want to scare the deer out of there, you know, and I think it was like my friend Jared's uncle, Steve, and my dad, maybe my uncle, they brought us out there and we took like straw bales. And put them where we were going to stand so that we actually had something to stand on because the water and the mud was too deep. I We might have even made a straw bale like path all the way out there, pallets or something, <laughs> so we could walk out there. And we get on, we get to the edge of their slough and <laughs> it was unreal. I'll never forget. I'm just looking to both sides of me and my friends like uh, Jared and Aaron and all these guys, my brother, we're all just shooting and all you, it's so dark. We're just shooting at ducks, right? And all you see is just blasts of the fire coming out of the end of their barrels. Even after it started getting light, we were shooting so much that it was just boom, boom. All you could see was fire out the end of the barrels. And that was that was crazy. Did we get any ducks? Probably not. But we were sure shooting and our barrels were hot because you could see it every single shot. They started glowing red, huh? Oh, yeah. But no, I think... I think we got a couple ducks, but it was, yeah, it was just crazy. I remember looking both ways and just seeing fire shooting out of guy, <laughs> my friend's barrels. It was crazy. That was that was a real early memory. I don't know if the uh, Meanderland's been hunted since Ooh. for waterfowl. You're gonna have to go but back. Be real, real nice to them. Oh yeah, they're they're like our good friends. Good friends, but uh, there's a lot of pheasants in there. Ooh. We usually pheasant hunt it later season. Okay. They do. There's a lot of them in there. They're so hard to get because it's a lot of cattails. Oh, it's thick. Yeah. But, yeah. And then uh, another thing that I was going to talk about was a pheasant hunt. And it was up up here in North Dakota, actually. And it, it had just snowed like three inches, just heavy, wet snow. And there was this little... Uh, this little slough, cattail slough with some water out in the middle of it. And we were just walking around, me and my buddy Michael Slava, we were just walking around the outside edge of it. No dog, nothing. We were just walking. And because he wanted to shoot some pheasants. And there was nothing. Like we hadn't seen a thing. It was annoying walking because there was snow and like cattails and grass all mangled together. Your legs are burning. Yes. And we get like three quarters of the way around this thing. And I look down and I see this big old long rooster track go right in front of me into these cattails. I'm like, Michael, here we go. These are fresh. So I follow them right in there. As soon as I crunch into the cattails, two of them get up. And I think, I don't remember who got them, but 
we'd dump both of those, and then it was kind of just that same thing. The farther we went, we'd cut more tracks going into the cattails, and we'd go in, same thing. As soon as you could hit the cattails, oof, they'd fly up. That's crazy. And I'm pretty sure we've seen, like, five... I think we shot every bird we seen. So I'm pretty sure all we kicked up was five roosters, and we got five roosters. Nice. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, and our limit was three. Yep. So we could have got six. We were so hoping to get one more for our <laughs> limit, but yeah, that was just crazy. Like, no dog or anything. Even to get all five of them yep. with no dog was crazy, I thought. But. Well, even in cattails. I mean, I don't know if when you shot them, were they, did they land in the cattails? Some too? of them did. Most even of them trying did. to find them in the cattails is yeah. tough when you got no dog. Exactly. Yeah, I was probably shooting my stinking two-shot steel like I usually do at pheasants, <laughs> but yeah, so that was, that was quite memorable as well. But you don't, you don't have any other? You got had a one from this weekend, past weekend? Oh, wow. This that's is a good story. A, that's not much of a memorable story. <laughs> oh, it's memorable. It's one I just wanted to nightmare-ish. forget. It's one I wanted to forget, and it's a good thing. So I, uh, I'll start out this way. I just, I just finally bought an action camera. I was going to start filming my hunts when I went out hunting, you know, see my dog and get videos of my dog and working and everything like that. And and I had I forgot to turn off the uh, auto off or whatever. You know, like your cell phone has like a two-minute, you don't use it, shuts off, and you can change yeah. that. So this thing had a three-minute auto off. So I turned it on, I put it on my head, and I set it all up, you know, put on the bill of my cap, I should say. And then we kind of waited, and we're kind of talking about the plan. And then as we started walking, I hit record. Or <laughs> unless I thought I hit record. Right? Luckily, it was not recording, because what ended up happening, I was out chasing sharp tails in central North Dakota. And I probably, like, I had, I was on the edge every time. Right? I was just on the edge of everybody else. It was just me and Will. No other people. Like, it was a pretty big, like, cut alfalfa field. Yeah. And that's where we were finding the sharp tails. So, that's what we kept walking. Yep. And we were spread out. And I, probably the nearest guy was 75 yards from me. Right? We had to spread out pretty far. But mm-hmm. the other dog guys had pointers for dogs. So, they, they range and they find the birds. And Will, Will was a flusher. So, she just stayed in front of me and yeah. worked in front of me and... I wouldn't doubt that I had probably, in separate coveys, 40 shark tails get up in front of me. (laughs) And I probably had the chance to shoot nine of them. And by shoot nine of them, I mean I I shot at nine of them. And I guess how many birds I ended that walk with? One. (laughs) My limit's three. I shot at nine. And I got one. And these are in separate groups. It wasn't like one big flush cut, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. Three shots. Three shots. That. No, it was all separate. Like, some of them I only got one <laughs> shot at. Some of them I got two shots at. Oh. I think the one bird I got, I took three shots at the... Or two shots at a cover that flew up ahead of time, and then this bird randomly got up, like, popcorn flush, separately, 15 yards in front of me, and I knocked it down. Jeez. Yeah. That's it, called some Sharpie fever right there. Yeah, it was not good shooting, because on Saturday, I shot, like, three birds in one walk. I was on. And then Sunday, I couldn't hit a dang bird. <laughs> <laughs> dang. That's crazy. I had to... I gave uh, I gave you a little crap and asked if you were shooting Winchesters. I was you were not. I was shooting Fjokies. The Golden Pheasants. The Golden Pheasants. Seven and a half shot out of my 28 gauge. Seven and baby. a half shot? Yeah, dude. Sharpies aren't Jeez. that tough. Jeez. Sharpies aren't that tough. You need it's a, like throwing sand at them. This is how bad it is. You need like a BB to knock down a Sharpie. Yeah. And I missed. Do they run like pheasants do? 
Not really. If you knock them down, they'll flop around. If you don't hit them very, very well, they might try to run, but they don't run far. Sure. Like, uh, I actually, t- actually, so my camera wasn't recording, which was good, so I didn't see that. But in a later <laughs> walk, I actually had my buddy's dog, Riggs, is a German short hair. He pointed one in front of me. And Wyatt's just like, yeah, go, go flush it up. Okay. He's like, Riggs on point, go get it. So I walked up to Riggs and I walked in front of him and flushed up a Sharpie. I shot it. And it was kind of like a weird bend around a tree shot type thing where it was right on the edge of a tree and I kind of had to bend over and shoot. Yeah. So I hit it, but it wasn't that good of a hit. Yep. The bird landed. I saw it flop. And then it must, like it ran, right? Mm -hmm. So Willow's trying to find it, and I'm like, I saw it go down here, and I saw it flop, and I saw it. I thought it uh, ran to the right of where we were coming in from. Mm-hmm. Well, it ran to the left, and then Riggs went on point again about 10 yards from me. And I'm like, oh, from where the bird went down? Well, it was a hand pheasant that didn't move, so I'm like, oh, another bird, now he's off the scent. Well, no, five yards to the left of that was the grouse okay. trying to hide. Huh. So they don't, they don't run very far. That's crazy. Yeah. Not like a rooster. Not like a rooster, no. Those little buggers go forever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you won't find them because yeah. they just go, go, go. Yeah. Do you think any just sit there? Mm, if it's or, thick. It maybe if you don't have a dog. Like if a dog, yeah. they, a dog would find them if they just sat there, right? Uh, yeah, for the most, most part. For the, most likely. Yeah. But I mean, hmm. I've definitely shot a rooster where I've when I didn't have a dog in college, and I'm looking for it, looking for it, and then I go back to an area where. I had been looking before, you know, like yeah. circling, circling, circling. This is where it went down. Can I see anything? And there's a tuft of cattail or something folded over, and it's just like sitting there trying to hide. Hmm. Like, that yeah. happens sometimes. I guess it just depends on maybe how well you hit them. Do they yeah. think they can run or not type thing. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I have one, I have one story that's not related to goose hunting, so I apologize. But then... We're we'll just end. talking about pheasant hunting, so I mean... Yeah. <laughs> then I'll end, or we can end, with a story that is about as close to honker heaven as you can get. So my first story, it's a, it's a great story. I love the story. It's about deer hunting. And I was with my friend Jared again from Morris. It was the opening day of deer hunting, and... We all went out in the morning, did our thing, hadn't gotten anything... And I think it was either, okay, so go back a little bit. The night before deer hunting, of course, because you got to wait till last minute to mm-hmm. get your stands ready and everything, right? It was me, Jared, and our brothers, Mitch and Kyle, were all getting the stand set up, who, which was a family friend stand, but it's like one of the best spots in the whole county in that area. Okay. So we we're getting that stand all ready to go, and there's this big, huge CRP. Uh, grassland like a quarter section off to our front right and we're looking out across this thing kind of where we had just driven by to get to the stand and we see this silhouette of something really brown like right on the edge of the crp grass and it looks like a deer rack and it's a half mile away and me and jared are going that looks like a deer rack and our brothers are going, no way. There's no way you'd be able to see that from here. And we go, eh, I'm pretty sure it looks just like a like a big rack sticking up <laughs> out of the grass. And we didn't have any binoculars or anything. So whatever, we get the stand ready. Like I said, Saturday morning deer hunting. Jared and I don't get anything. 
And I don't know if it was Friday or that day that we were saying like, hey, it would be fun if we could go out together, but I don't know if it would really happen. Like when would you Mm -hmm. sit together and not in separate stands and whatnot? And well, I think it was about, it was around noon, a little before because it was 11-11, which is when you're supposed to make a wish, Mm -hmm. right? And you made a wish. And we made a wish. We're driving down his driveway. It was 11-11 and we go, I wish I could shoot a big buck today. So that happens, and it lines up that we are going to go out together and sit in the stand, and we're just getting ready. So we're, we're on our way out there, and we're like, okay, we've seen, we're pretty sure that was a buck, and it was a, it would be a big buck, um, because we could see it from a half mile away mm-hmm. with our bare eyes. So instead of coming in, so picture this, you're sitting in the stand, looking straight ahead, mm-hmm. Off to your right is like the row that you would drive down okay. to get to the stand usually, and that's right where we've seen that buck. So rather than doing that, Jared and I park like half a mile back on this uh, the other main road and kitty corner across this little draw in a hay in a dug up field, so that we don't come right along that line just in case he's sitting there again or something. Yeah. You know? So we take like an extra. Th- two, three, four hundred yard walk to get to the stand just so we don't walk right along the grass. So we do that. All these stars are aligning perfectly. It's like, I don't know what time it was, whatever time it is in November, when you get out there like four o'clock or something. Mm-hmm. We're halfway out there, of course, and we realize, hey, we don't have two chairs. We forgot a chair. So one of us, we don't know what we're going to do. So we get up in the stand I, Jared's like, we'll take turns. You can sit there first and then we'll switch and I can sit there. Okay, sounds good. So I'm sitting there and if you're looking out the front again, I'm on a chair and it's not a huge stand. Down to my left, Jared is sitting on the floor with his gun, like in his body, you know, like just sitting there cuddling his gun. And we're just sitting there and literally 15 minutes go by and I see something out of the corner of my eye and I look up and there he was and I believe my first words were holy crap except the other word Mm -hmm. and Jared goes what and I go and I said there's a buck and he goes is it a shooter and I said it's a shooter (laughs) just a giant I mean he was huge big dark rack just like we see on the edge of the grass and he's coming I mean he's in shooting range as soon as I see him we could shoot him right he's Mm -hmm. coming right at us and uh so Jared starts trying to finagle his way up so that he could shoot because he's sitting on the ground now. He can't see anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting ready to shoot. And I'm sitting there like, okay, now, now, now. And then I'm like, wait, wait, wait. When he would <laughs> look, when the deer would look at us or I thought yeah. he would look at us. And I think Jared said heck with it because his thighs were burning or something. And he just kept getting up. And the deer is like 50 yards from us. I still don't know how he didn't see us or hear us. But Jared gets ready and we're both sitting there. And this is how in tune we are. He, Jared gives a little meh, and we didn't count down, we didn't do anything, but that deer stopped, turned perfectly broadside, looked at us, and I'll never forget also, when he stopped, his belly, he was so big, his mm-hmm. belly just, for a little while, just shook back and forth, because he was on a downhill a little yeah. bit, and uh, so yeah, Jared, meh, without saying anything, probably two or three seconds go by, doof, doof. We almost shoot simultaneously. Like, you couldn't have got it hardly any more perfect. And he just drops like a sack of potatoes. And uh, we go out there, and two holes through him. 
one of the I mean it's the biggest buck I've ever seen mm-hmm. in real life and we have him shoulder mounted now and he's at Jared's house I think he was like 173 inches or something we measured him dang just a mainframe uh, 10 pointer with two little stickers coming off his right and just the thickest darkest horn deer you could possibly get around there that's crazy that's a cool story it was story. so sweet <laughs> but yeah I just loved I love telling that story because all like I said all the stars just aligned perfectly mm-hmm. and the fact that we both hit them too it wasn't like oh I wonder who hit them yeah no there's two so did you have to flip a coin then one right through the out? heart one right through the spine no we we, sh- we share it so I don't oh. have a house right now oh. so Jared has it in his house and now once we move into our house, I might take it from him for a year or two. <laughs> nice. Then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But was, you just have awesome. to shoot another one to put up there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We got geese to kill. Can't do that. That's true. <laughs> no, yeah. But then, so my honker heaven story, we're way out west. And uh, we're hunting out there. Snow on the ground. This is about as close to honker heaven as I feel like I've ever came to. And there's so many geese. I mean, it's unexplainable how many geese there were, like thousands and thousands of geese. And every every day, two, three hours in the morning, they would roll off in flocks and two, three hours at night, every single day, and they just never stopped. It was crazy. And you'd, it was, there's these little bluffs, and you'd be sitting up on top, so they'd be coming low, and then they'd raise up over the bluff and then get to your field and... It was just, I've never seen anything like it, and That's we crazy. absolutely smacked them. <laughs> it was crazy, yeah. And, you you know, you drive around here, and you yeah. see a field of 500, 1,000 geese. It's like, holy crap, there's yeah. a lot of geese. And out there, it was just unreal. Four, like, several fields, just thousands of geese in every single one of them. Dang. Yeah. And the hunting was amazing. Just burned them. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully do that again very soon. Because it was incredible. I'll be waiting for the invite in my, yeah. in my mailbox. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Handwritten letter. Yep. Only way I'll take it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, those are those are some of our good stories. Yeah. I mean, that's all I got for stories. Yeah. Or, I shouldn't say that. What I thought of. <laughs> right. Yeah, we could go on and on, but we'll, uh, I think we'll call it good. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, so when are you thinking for the next one? The next podcast you're yeah. saying? Well, let's see. Well, we're trying to go over two weeks, right? Mid September, yeah. Yeah, so it'll probably be near the end of September to beginning of October. It's probably going to be yeah, when maybe the next like going to come out. Maybe like an early October. Yeah. All right. Probably Sounds be it. Good. We'll give updates on how the season's going and everything like that. Yeah, for sure. But we don't want to give too much away. Yeah. Keep it hushity hush. <laughs> If you uh, if you don't hear anything from us for a while, you can bet one thing is we're out shooting something. So we'll we'll try and post pictures for you along the way. Yeah, been doing a little bit, but yeah, exactly. So that's just basically telling you that if you're listening to this and you like what we're doing so far, even in the second episode type stuff, you know, go follow us on Instagram. Absolutely. Right, the Honker Heaven podcast. We'll be yep. posting more pictures and stuff hopefully there soon, and throughout you know the next upcoming weeks, days. Obviously, probably not a picture every day. Sorry. But, you know, you'll see some updates. (laughs) Yep, for sure. Sounds good. Well, until next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.